0: Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. If this is your very first time tuning in, welcome. We hope you have found a wonderful podcast that you can uh, call home and tune in often to hear some very inspiring stories. This is a place where real women share real stories of real hope. Now, some of you have been following us for a very long time, and I am going to jog your memory here because if you rewind the tape all the way back about three and a half years ago to the very, very first week of the Story Night podcast in April of 2020, you might remember episode four, which was Melissa. And so tonight is going to be pretty special and unique because this is really our very first podcast sequel, and we have Melissa back. Now, three and a half years might not sound like a super long time in the grand scheme of somebody's entire life. However... Many of you know that an awful lot can happen in just a few years, and that is the case for Melissa. So, Melissa, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's so good to see your face again. We we miss seeing you around here. And uh, there's been a little move in Melissa's life, but we're going to let her explain that in a little bit. But before we dive into what's happened in the last few years of your life, let's give the listeners a recap. And of course, ladies, if you want the full recap, just go ahead and pause this episode, go back, listen to episode four, and then come back and join us for this one. But with that, Melissa, welcome. Thank you. And uh, maybe say hello to the listeners, remind them who you are and what you shared back in episode four. (laughs)
1: Hi, um, my name is Melissa. I was at Calvary Mac doing women's leadership at the time when COVID hit, and we had to go to podcasts. And I'm so excited about how this has reached everybody. So I'm no longer at Calvary Mac. And what happened was during the episode, some changes were beginning to happen in my life. And one of them was I stepped down from women's leadership and I started a prayer ministry at the church. And that began a journey for me in prayer. But before all of that happened, my story was about my widowhood. And uh, May 28, 2018, I lost my husband. And in April 2020, my son moved in with me. So the story I didn't share, what was really going on, was I had walked out of a romance scam. And I was very broken and very hurt. And God brought my son to help me walk that journey. The thing that I learned was to really depend on God. Romans 8, 28 is one of the verses that I cling to, and that is, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Sometimes God has to let us do our own thing. Sometimes he just holds us while we stumble. I was delivered from that. It's not something I like to dwell on, but I know what it's like to be lonely, and I know how desperate you can get. I just know that God has changed me because of allowing these trials in my life. God said that he would not give us any bigger temptation than we could handle. And I can say that I walked away. Some women don't. But I walked away, and God has used that to break me to a point where he can rebuild me,
0: and he has. You know, Melissa, it's so brave of you to even mention that there was something in your past that was really hard, the romance scam. And some people might not have ever even heard that term before. So just to get everyone on the same page here, a romance scam, which is also known sometimes as catfishing, is when someone or or often a group of people are essentially taking advantage of somebody online. Scammers will strike up a relationship with you to build up trust and talking and chatting, and they make up a story and ask for money. And I want to take a quick moment here to give a little bit of hope and encouragement to anyone listening who has been a victim of a romance scam. You are not alone. And the scammers are very, very skilled at what they do. And I'm going to ask Melissa in just a moment to provide some things that she learned, maybe give you some red flags to look out for. But first, let me just mention that Melissa is an amazing woman of prayer. She has been the prayer warrior for the whole story night ministry for years now, and she had been praying, asking God for what would be next in her life, and believed that he had promised her another husband. But we have a very real enemy who wants to pray on those who are waiting and those who are lonely, and he is very, very good at presenting what seems like an answer from God but it's actually a counterfeit. And ladies, it is so easy to fall for a counterfeit. Now, hindsight's always 20-20. And Melissa, I know looking back now, you can very clearly see that the romance scam was an obvious counterfeit, a tool from the enemy to try and derail you. And hang in there, ladies, because the real promise, the promise from God is coming. And we'll get to that part of her story. But Melissa, would you take a minute and share some things that you learned, maybe give some advice or counsel to anybody who might be in the middle of a romance scam or might be vulnerable to one in the future?
1: Yes, there was one point. I mean, I was praying through this whole thing and there was one point when i just called out to god and i said i just want this to be real and within two weeks he showed me how real it was and i was able to block him it happened online like it always does but there's things that you need to look out for first thing is when they come to you i was just playing a simple game of words with friends and this good-looking guy Plays a game with me and he starts chatting with me in the chat. I bet you didn't know they had those, but they do. And pulled me off the chat and pulled me onto a site called WhatsApp that's very difficult for you to go back and have any evidence. Red flag number one. Red flag number two when they won't talk to you on the phone, or you get phone conversations that are hard to understand or hard to hear. The third thing is they won't FaceTime. They won't video chat with you. And the fourth thing to really be aware of is they know where you are. They are trained to say all the right things. They confess their love very quickly. And this usually happens around the holidays. So those are things to look out for. But no that you can walk away. You can block and you can walk away. There's not a whole much other stuff that you can do, but you can do that. and that's what they tell you to do. So that those are the things I want you to look for. And to be perfectly honest, this is very hard for me to talk about, but God has delivered me.
0: Again, I want to thank you for being willing to just touch on a topic that is very hard. And probably for some listeners, it's hard to even listen to, but it's so important for us to share our stories, even just a little bit so that we can encourage other women, give them some hope, Mm -hmm. let them know they're not alone and help them learn something. And there are these big red flags to look for. Uh, I know you had mentioned even to me, one of the red flags to watch out for is if they're asking for something. Yes. If they're asking for something, that's such a big red flag. Now, Ladies, if if any of you out there are like me, I am one of those very trusting people and everyone is innocent until proven guilty. And I would take in every stray animal and person and I mean just there, I have no filter. Like I love everybody. <laughs> I trust everyone immediately. And I have learned over my life that I need to have somebody, whether that's a parent, a sibling, a college roommate, a friend, now my husband, who has that bit of skepticism to them, that has that kind of radar because I don't have it naturally. But if Mm -hmm. I have someone I trust who does have it and I can share my life with them, then that does wonders and just keeping you a little bit protected. So thank you again, Melissa, for taking time to just mention that. That's that's an important part of your story. But like you said, God delivered you. And so now we get to pick back up where we left off. We left off at the end of episode four. Yes, it was April of 2020 and the pandemic had just started just started. And this was back when we were told, okay, we're going to be locked down for like, I don't know, maybe two weeks or so. And my thought was, well, we'll just record like five, maybe 10 stories. So women (laughs) will have something to listen to during this very short lockdown. Now, all opinions aside about COVID and how it's handled and all of that, needless to say, it did not end in just a couple of weeks, but good things come out of hard times. We have this amazing podcast and over a hundred stories now, including- a sequel story. So here we go. (laughs) So let's pick the story back up and tell us what has happened since April of 2020. So since April of
1: 2020, we went into lockdown uh, for three months, and then we ended up doing online school. I'm a paraprofessional at, was, at a middle school. And it was a trying time we were all sitting in our houses and if i did not have my son living with me at that time i probably would have gone crazy but he was there but i was still alone i was talking to people online i was still alone i ended up doing a facebook page called the kitchen table artist during that time july 2020 because i needed an outlet and You know, we all found things to do during COVID. Well, I started painting again. I hadn't painted in 15 years and I started painting and I wanted to show my work. And God's done amazing things with kitchen table artists. So that's how that started. Well, in the middle of that, I met somebody online and this time it was a real person. But it was still not who God had given me. And I struggled. And I went back and forth and I finally had a point where I knew it wasn't going anywhere and I needed to walk away. So my biggest takeaway is, you know, when you find yourself in these situations and you you've got those red flags, you've got the Holy Spirit needling at you and you, you need to stop, pray, walk away. I mean, you do. And it's okay, because God has something better for you.
0: Amen. One- I I love that phrase. Hold on. Let's just, let's write that down. Stop, pray, walk away. away, <laughs> yep. Stop, pray, walk away. Stop, pray walk away. stop pray, walk away. Way. That needs to be a sign in somebody's house, right? Like instead of stop, <laughs> drop, and roll, stop, pray, and walk away. <laughs> <Way>. <laughs> and our loneliness is real and for me it
1: was in the search of the perfect man the hardest part of re-listening to the podcast was i know now what i didn't know then and i was unequally spiritually unequally yoked and when my husband passed i created this list in my head of what the perfect man would be and i knew that i wanted somebody that would pray with me, go to church with me and just be part of God, the triple cord, you know, that's what I wanted. And, but as time went on and as they were not showing up at my doorstep and the ones that were, were not, you know, they weren't from God and you have to be strong. I think that's the biggest thing I want to say. And you can be strong through Christ. And one of the things that happened after all of that was I started praying more. I was in my word. I was daily walking the walk, walking the path, praying, asking God, praying for other people, even praying for these people that had scammed me and had hurt me. I was praying for them. I was praying for the people whose identity they had taken. I was praying for the disasters in my life. I was just I was praying because that was how I could heal. And God says, "If you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. So I went to work online, then we did hybrid, I went to school, then we did full-on school with masks, And I work with middle schoolers. So you can imagine what was going on with those masks. I mean, they were everywhere but on their faces. So, I did that. I served in the prayer room. I was in communion with the ladies and Jessica's house church, beautiful women that I got to meet. And through that, the prayer ministry was born, the prayer room was built. I spent a lot of time in the prayer room. People really couldn't understand why I wasn't dating. I had been married for 37 years. I married my high school sweetheart. I didn't know anything about how to date, but I knew that what I was experiencing wasn't what I wanted. So I finally decided to just let it go and be content in my singlehood. I was like, I'll just be content. Everything will be fine. God's got this. I'm God's girl. I was God's girl when Mark died. I'm God's girl now. He's got a better plan than I do. And so I waited and I waited. So, I ended up writing God's promises down in a little yellow journal. So, I'm just going to take some time to read some of that to you. So, in the beginning, I wrote down Psalm 12:6. The Lord's promises are pure like silver refined in a furnace. And believe me, I felt like I was in the fire over and over again. Purified seven times over. And on 12-6-2020, it would have been my 39th wedding anniversary with my husband, and God spoke through his word, Mark 10-27. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And I wrote a note. It is not impossible for God to take care of me. It is not impossible for me to walk a widow's journey, for God is with me. He was faithful when Mark died, and he is faithful now. And even though I have walked through trials, Jesus, Father God, and the Holy Spirit have walked with me, and I am thankful. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And as I listened to the podcast before, the things that really stood out to me was, God knows where to put me for my next step. So when we go back and we talk about when I was talking about in podcast four, that how I came to Calvary Mac was God told me to go to Calvary and I told him I wasn't. And then I got a door knocker and then I ended up there. So it is very important that I was at Calvary Mac. I learned a lot there. So that's just a point to remember. Okay, so God knew where to put me for my next step, for my second chapter of my life. I knew I was God's girl. I knew that God had something better for me than living with my almost 40 year old son in my little house and working with children, middle school age. I knew God had something more. I knew that God taught me to really lean on him because there were times when I felt so alone and so sad. and you know, was looking at these other widows that had their chapter two that got a second chance. And God showed me that. And I was like, that's, you know, that's what I want. God's hand was in everything. And I didn't go gracefully. I questioned him. I cried out. The secret, Melissa, was hurting. I was lonely. I was crying out to God. The Melissa everyone else saw was strong on the outside, content in her singleness, serving her God at work and at church. The secret Melissa was always looking for God's man for her. I was always on the lookout, always waiting for God to drop him into my lap instead of waiting, patiently looking for what I lovingly called my big red bow. Through the transition of everything that was happening, people, you know, I'd been widowed two years and I'd been widowed three years and then I'd been widowed four years. Why aren't you dating? And I'm going, well, unless God puts a big red bow on him and a tag that says, this one is for you, I wasn't interested. I spent my time praying because that's where I felt comfort and I felt wanted and needed. And We have this beautiful cross in the prayer room that has a place for little notes, and a lot of those little notes are mine. So the joke was at that point in time in my life was, well, if God wants me to remarry, He's just going to have to bring him down to the prayer room. Okay, so now we're going to kind of fast forward to 2022, when God really started working. So I've been sitting patiently for almost four years. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad, sometimes I did what I was supposed to, do. sometimes I didn't, but I got through it. God delivered me. He had a plan better than anything I could even imagine. So I want to go to the journal entry from January 1st, 2022. I was given Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. This is the new living version. Verse 18, for forget all, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. And then I wrote down, rest in peace, my daughter. So we were back at school at that time. I was in zero relationships uh, at that point. So part of the prayer team, what we did is we got prayer requests that came through. In July of 2021, we got a request from a missionary family, uh, the Ramies. They all had COVID. So Ken, his wife, Diane, and his mother-in-law had COVID. And we started praying for them. Well, Diane passed and then her mom passed and God saved Ken. And because he had been married for 53 years and because he was a new widower, God just put put it on my heart to pray for him. I had not met him, he had not met me, but I knew that I was supposed to pray for this man. And so I did and whatever God led me, you know, He must be lonely he must be hurting those kinds of things and so he was part of my daily prayer rock sometimes we got to a point in 2022 he was struggling he had lost his wife he had written a journal entry october 21st really asking god for the right woman for him because it is not good for man to be alone doesn't say that about women it just says that about men so he's in his journey and i'm in mine in april we had this woman's retreat and it it was just this holy spirit filled weekend so we get to retreat and god really starts speaking to me about surrender and i'm like really So I want to read the journal entry that I wrote about that surrender. God was asking me to surrender the perfect marriage partner idea. He was asking me to be thankful for the 36 and a half year marriage and to trust that Mark was resting in the arms of Jesus. Mark professed to believe, but his actions did not show his walk. And he died of uh, cirrhosis of the liver because he was a functioning alcoholic. And I lost him when he was 56. And then focus on being the bride of Christ. And then I wrote, don't know why I'm here. <laughs> and during that time, some of the ladies were praying over me. And they were encouraging me, you know, you you need to surrender. And I said, okay, I would do that. And then I went back home, and part of what I did at Calvary Mac, I um, would go down and be part of the prayer team that prayed over the pastor and uh, the band and everybody. So, we're going to fast forward to April 23rd, when my stove element broke. Because I had a little spark, I had a little fire, put a little baking soda on it, and boom, no stove. All right. Well, we'll figure that one out. I go get in my car the next morning, my Jeep. I'm running late. I've got my hair and pigtails. I've got this hat, this newsboy hat on, and I'm running out the door, and the garage door won't close. And I'm like, okay, Lord, I know the enemy is after me and I have to get to church because I think I'm the only one showing up to, for the prayer team today. So I go in the house, close the garage, come back out, get in the car, get in the Jeep and thank you Jesus. Calvary back is only like 2 blocks away. So I I hop down the hill, I run into the prayer room, I sit down and I'm asked what's going on and I said, "Well, I have all these problems, but I'm here." Well, sitting in the room was Pastor Ken Ramey, the man that I had been praying for because I knew that he was a widower. And he had come down from Washington to do the sermon that Sunday. It was the week after after Easter. This would be his first time preaching since the death of his wife.
0: And now just to pause here and clarify for a moment, was this the first moment you had ever laid eyes on him? The first time you actually met each Mm -hmm. other? Okay. So here's this man you've never seen before. You don't know really anything much about other than the trial and the grief he's experienced. So you've just been praying for him for, so let's do, let's give the timeline here. How long had you been praying for this man at this point before you officially see him face to face? Nine months. So for nine months, you've been praying for a man that you've never met. Never seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now the stove has an issue, the garage has an issue, everything has an issue, and you're finally there and it's a deep (laughs) deep breath. And then does this all connect right away? Oh my goodness, this is the man I've been praying for for nine months. Hi, nice to meet you. No, actually. So what happened was I went directly into
1: prayer and I just, the Holy Spirit came over. Jessica knows I get animated when I pray sometimes. So I've got my hands going and I'm praying over this man and I'm I just, whatever the Holy Spirit has come to my mind, I'm praying. Ken is sitting there. He doesn't want to be there. He's like, no energy to do this. You know, he's grieving and he's just sitting there. And he said, he said to me later, later, because we didn't talk, I just prayed over him. And then he gets up and he goes to preach. And he had to preach two services that day. So he said, Melissa, it was just like heaven came into the room, I had energy, I was ready to go. So he gets into preacher mode. He goes upstairs, he sits down. At this point, I have the task and honor and privilege to be sitting in church for both services, praying while the whole services are going on. That's what I did. And I end up sitting behind him. He goes up to preach, He's been there by himself, his wife isn't there. This is the same church that they did her services in. And at that time, my son actually was running the soundboard for that service. So anyway, he gets up and he preaches and I am just kind of sitting there and it's hitting me. And he comes back down. He does his normal routine in between services. He sits down and at some point, I'm sitting there and God says, you need to pray for him. You need to tell him, you need to ask him, and you're going to pray for him. So he doesn't remember any of this because he's in preacher mode, but he hears a voice behind him that says, how can I pray for you right now? And he said, he just spoke it. He goes, I am alone. And I said, I know. And then he got up he gave his second sermon. I prayed. I went down to the prayer room. He went off. He doesn't remember seeing me. All he remembers is my voice. That's what he remembers. So my side of the story and his side of the story are totally different, but I have a witness, Laura Johnson, who saw things, and she said that she saw this spark. She just saw it. And I remember hugging him, and I remember him giving me his business card. So he doesn't remember any of that, but I do. So that's my side of the story. His side of the story was, you know, he had the strength, he had the energy, he got up, he did what he had to do, then he left. And we had said something about um, Facebook friends. So I sent him a friend request, he accepted it, I got on personal messaging, and I sent him a prayer. And I said, This is Melissa Terrell, I met you today, and I just wanna know how I can pray for you. Because he was in a new chapter of his life. So before his wife died, he was going ahead of Franklin Graham rallies and he was talking to churches. And so when he came back and brought COVID with him and his wife died, he was ready for a change. So he ended up coming to Washington, living with his grandson, and was offered an opportunity with Family Policy Institute of Washington. And that's what he was doing. But he also, he and his wife had started a ministry called Avanja Coach. And our church still supports him for that. Calvary Max still supports him. So he's got a new life and he goes back to it and he says yes you can pray for me and we exchanged things for about two days whenever he came to my mind i would send him a prayer at some point in those conversations though i do remember getting a message back um thank you for praying for me i believe god has a woman for me and my kids believe that too and i'm just waiting on god And I had been praying for him. And I was like, uh, you know, God's telling me the same thing for you, that you have a wife in your future. He's telling me the same thing. I'm praying for her. And I really need you to pray for me about being content because I feel God has shown me that this is what I'm going to do. I'm a widow and I'm just serving my God. That's what I'm doing. A couple months passed, and the anniversary of his wife's death was approaching at the end of July. So I sent him a prayer, and I told him that I was thinking about him, and he asked if he could call me, and I said yes. So our first telephone conversation, he said, well, if you're going to be a prayer partner for me, I need to know, what is your salvation story? I told him. I told him, you know, that I had accepted Christ at nine and all the things that had happened. And then I got a little smart mouthy and I said, okay, Pastor Remy, Billy Graham entourage, what is your salvation story? Well, he had me when his answer to my question was, I'm just a man. And he started telling me about Apostle Paul. He said, I'm just a man. And then we chatted, and during the conversation, he asked me, why aren't you snapped up? And I said, well, I don't really know. And then he asked me, he goes, well, would you like to be snapped up? And I said, well, actually, I would. And then I said, I have a list. And one of the things on my list is he has to be 10 years younger than me, because I'm not burying a second husband. I said that. Okay, so we go on and we have our conversation, and we talk for two hours. we talk text for thirty minutes after that. And the next day, I get this text, "Well, I'm praying for your young man." And I was like, "Well, I'm praying for your old woman." This went on, this kind of banter went on. We started really opening up to each other and really talking to each other. and And in the process, you know, he'd already checked me out. I already checked him out on Facebook. I was twelve years younger than him. And you know, in his mind, that wasn't possible. And as we were talking over the couple of weeks, I was like, man, this guy's checking my boxes. Man of God, check. Prayer warrior, check. You know, just check, check, check. I was checking his boxes. And I didn't know that. And we just, we developed this really deep friendship really fast. And it was really good. And then August 16th happened, and he told me, he said, you know, i kind of fallen here. Well, at the end of the day, we decided that we would court, we would start a relationship. So we started FaceTiming and talking and talking and talking and sharing and really realized that we wanted to be together god says you know it's better to be married than to burn and i had found what i was looking for and he found what he was looking for and in the process of that we started doing michael had already vetted him michael had already been talking to him we had not physically met yet so he said well i got to come see you i said okay She came to see me and then we went to meet my parents i wanted him to meet my parents my dad fell in love with him instantly. My mother fell in love with him. My sister came over. My brother-in-law came over. Everybody had to vet him in that day and asked my dad permission to marry me. He dropped on one knee and a little heart box, and it was a little ring. And it was it's an amethyst stone. It's for royalty. And he said, You are my queen. So that was September 2nd. September 22nd, Thursday night at the Remnant Church in Tumwater, we exchanged vows and I became Ken's wife. And because of Ken's work, our honeymoon the next day was actually a fundraiser for the Republican Party, I think, one night and then Freedom Foundation the other night. And we actually have a picture with Mike Huckabee together. So that was our honeymoon. I was ready to be with him. So I had some process I had to do to do that. The first thing I had to do is I had to retire. And I'd already told everybody they had me for seven more years. And I walk into school on the first and I went, I'm getting married. This is Ken. And I showed his picture and everybody's going, what? What?" And then I went to my principal and vice principal. I said, oh, by the way, I'm retiring So I called district office, and they said I could retire November 1st. So we got married September 22nd. I retired October 26th. I moved up to Washington that very day. I moved in with him and his motorhome. And so there was Ken, there was me, there was Ken's dog, Teddy, and my dog, Bella. And we lived there for four months. I put my house up for sale. Mike found a roommate sold well, the house in January, found a house here in Lakewood, Washington in February. So Ken and I are in Lakewood, Washington. He is still working for FBIW. We're still doing vanja Coach, and we found a home church, finally. We found a home church, at LC3, and we are going to be Alpha Table hosts next month. We're doing an Alpha Beta. So I, I have found my place. Well, the other thing that I inherited besides Teddy was, I have one son. Ken has four children, one girl and three boys. He has 12 grandchildren and 17 great-grandchildren. So that is another desire of my heart that God filled was kids. And so we have a nice home. We have our family close. We're serving God. And all is good. And it took four years to get there, four years of trusting God, four years of believing that He had something better for me than I had. And I love the way Jessica said the devil comes as a shining angel. Sometimes things that look good are not from God, and some things that look bad are not necessarily from the evil one. You know, God uses all things. And Jesus never said there wouldn't be a struggle. He never said that. He struggled. You know, he struggled. And he held himself on that cross for you and me. Oh, so I can't feel bad about anything that happened to me. I have been delivered. My relationship with God is better than it ever was. I have a husband that I can pray with, that I can talk to that I can be one with. And that's something I've never had. So that is the rest of the story. (laughs) That's that's my chapter two.
0: I love how often God switches gears very quickly, at least from our perspective, right? It seems like he goes from zero miles per hour to a hundred miles per hour overnight. (laughs) And your story is certainly an example of that, of four long years of waiting and waiting and feeling lonely and wondering, is this it? Is this it? And here's another counterfeit and there's some more pain and here's another lonely chapter. Uh, But then when the real promise of your next husband, (laughs) your next chapter arrived, it's like warp speed you know, (laughs) (laughs) here he is and here we go. And now we're married and now we're here. And you just think, oh my goodness, you know, talk about God's timing. On
1: Friday, it'll
0: be one year. Congratulations. You know, thank you.
1: And in that speedy little process, I was vetted by his family. I did video chats with his daughter, with his sisters. And then the other thing, Jessica, that you may not know is when we got to that point, where we were really seeking God and we were seeking a green light. I gave Ken my uh, episode four podcast to listen to. And I said, if you have any doubts after you hear this, then it's a red light. Got done listening to it. He called me and it's like green, it's go. So he sent that to his family. So he had each one of his family members listen to podcast for.
0: And who would have thought when you recorded it, that you Mm -hmm. were recording? I mean, I I say this lightheartedly, your audition tape, (laughs) maybe. Yes, 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 it was. For your future husband and your future in-laws, in order for them to really get to know you in a very authentic way. And that's part of why we share these stories, because they are real. We're sharing the truth. We're sharing our real story, our authentic story.
1: The other thing that happened after that podcast was we prayed, I spoke, I had no notes, no nothing, and it happened. And then I went back and I must have listened to it in the next couple of months because I was really hurting and needed to hear from God. I listened to it about five times and God spoke to me because I was listening to what I was saying to other women and God was saying, here you go. Here you go. Here you go. Speaking to you, I'm speaking to you. And it just, God is so amazing what he can do in hard times, in uh, isolated times. It's just amazing to me that he loved us so much that he gave Jesus for us on the cross, who understands our suffering, who understands our pain, who understands our lonely because he didn't get married. So those are things that I really had to look at was like, well, if Jesus can do it in this season, I can do it. And I did for four years. And that was a gift I gave Ken. And he said, you know, God saved you for me.
0: Well, Melissa, I want to thank you for being willing, not only to do this the first time three and a half years ago, (laughs) but to record with me again, a second time uh, for your sequel story. And I hope that it brought some encouragement to some listeners, specifically those who are in that lonely time of waiting, where it just sort of feels like the promise might never be coming. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, but when it does, it is just so quick. (laughs) (laughs) As we close, I was hoping that you could pray for our listeners. And as you pray, just give them that little bit of hope and encouragement. Yes. Father God, we come
1: before you as your daughters. This was a time I really, Father, want to reach out to those women that are lonely, confused maybe, or they're just tired. I just ask that, again, that you would just wrap your arms around them, that you would give them a word of hope, a word to hold on to, a word to tell them what to do, like surrender, surrender. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity. And it's by your grace that we are saved. And that is so heavy on my heart today, Lord. If there's somebody out there that doesn't know you, I ask that they would reach out to you. It's as simple as saying, Father, forgive me. I've sinned. Jesus, come into my heart. Holy Spirit, be my guide. It's as simple as that. And if you are a daughter of God, remember that you are his bride. And even if you are alone here on earth, you are his bride. And he has something special for you, whether it's here or it's with him in heaven. The Lord, I thank you. I just thank you for being such a forgiving god a loving god a constant god a steady god you are our hope and we hope in you in jesus name amen
0: amen thank you again so much melissa thank you for always praying for story night and we are so happy to hear you're you know happily ever after (laughs) yes
1: yes it is it is but it still you know takes work Mm -hmm. and but it, it's, it's pretty
0: incredible. <laughs> like ladies, everybody's... I know you can't see her face. I can. There's a glowing teenager on the other side of the screen right now. <laughs> Just yeah. Yeah. in this honeymoon Twitter pated face, which is so fun to watch. Yes. And I'm yes. so grateful. Well, ladies, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this story. We hope you are blessed and encouraged and uh, get to walk away with a little bit of hope and that you come back next time to join us for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com women.